0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler.
1: Nehemiah chapter number two this morning, as we continue our message series, uh, The God Who Builds, going verse by verse through the book of Nehemiah, looking at how God builds. Now, Nehemiah, he was a governor in Jerusalem during a very difficult time in the nation of Israel's life. And as we're going to see, it's through that difficult time that God did an amazing building work. The theme for our series has been God often does his greatest building at the very place of our most agonizing brokenness. And he builds our lives, not just in spite of our brokenness, but literally using those broken pieces to build our lives to be more like his image. Stand with me if you would, as we read Nehemiah chapter number two. We're going to read verses eight through verse number 10 for our scripture reading. Nehemiah chapter number two. The Bible says beginning in verse number 8. And a letter unto Asaph the keeper of the king's forest that it may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertained to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. As we saw last week Nehemiah he asked the king for letters so that he could prepare for what the king was going to do. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river I gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly. They were grieved, they were upset that Nehemiah was going to try and see if God could rebuild the wall. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. This morning, pastor is going to preach a message entitled, The God Who Builds Through Testing Faith. Well, we do want to say, uh,
0: Jim and uh, to the Raines family, uh, we're thinking of you guys. And for those of you who had not heard, uh, one of the ladies in our church passed away this week, Tina. She'd been fighting with cancer, and a memorial service is going to be held for her this Saturday at 1.30 for those of you who I knew her, and just uh, we're praying with this family. We love you guys, and uh, we want you to know if there's anything we can do for you, don't hesitate to let us know. And so their, their faith has just been an incredible encouragement to me this week, and I hope you'll lift up this family in prayer. Well, I think it's somewhat apropos as we're diving into this series that today we find ourselves studying the subject of the God who builds through testing faith. And uh, Last week, we talked a little bit about how God builds our lives through faith, and today we're going to see how when an individual steps out by faith or when a church steps out by faith, how that faith and those steps of faith are always met with challenges, opposition, and oftentimes uh, many obstacles, and uh, so we're going to spend some time unpacking that idea a little bit today. Some of you will remember a couple of years back when we uh, stepped out by faith as a church family. To move into this particular property. Uh, Many of you would know we we hired an architect and that architect was going to take point on being the project manager uh, for this entire uh, project. And then we, uh, of course, we hired a general contractor and that contractor gave us a quote on what the thing should cost working with the city. Uh, Our project manager talked a little bit about the timetable and and he told us he was very confident that in this particular project, because it was so small, uh, that he was confident that we would be able to get through the entire project in four to six months. Now, those of you who were there uh, during that particular season, uh, you remember it did not happen in four to six months. In fact, uh, five months went by and uh, literally almost nothing had taken place. Everything was kind of caught up in the bureaucracy down at City Hall and the permits that were needed and the things that were going on. And uh, what seemed like an exciting season for our church just was met with obstacles and with challenges. I remember about eight months into it, all of a sudden the city started adding things to the project that they originally didn't give us. And so we found ourselves in positions where what we had budgeted and now we were needing more funds in order to complete this project. And And for those of you who are here, it was crazy. We spent about a month and a half having just to wait on the project because uh, the architects, the city, wanted to make sure that this platform was going to be strong enough to hold me up. And so they did some testing on it. And uh, sure enough, it took like six weeks for them to do the proper testing. And and praise the Lord, I haven't fall, fallen through it yet. All right. And uh, there was just all kinds of things that went on during that season. And uh, I remember on one occasion, we kind of got a phone call and And uh, the city had told us, oh, we forgot to tell you that you're going to have to do this as well, you know. And uh, that particular thing that they had forgotten to tell us about uh, was going to cost us several more thousands of dollars. And uh, what was supposed to be a four-month process stretched out into six and then nine, and those of you who are around, it was about 13 or 14 months later that we finally moved in. It was about 18 months later before we officially got everything squared away. And then for those of you who were last year, the city came through again and then told us about, you know, kind of the fire regulations on top of all that, and so... We as a church family during that season stepped out by faith, financially, uh, sacrificially, and as soon as we did, there was all kinds of obstacles. There was opposition, there were challenges that we faced, which was kind of a metaphor for what takes place in the spiritual realms in our own hearts And in our own lives. Uh, When God's spirit through his word leads you as an individual. Or when he leads us as families or as couples to step out by faith. Something that his spirit is leading us to do. Mark it down that testing and challenges will come. Some of you this last year has been a tremendous growth year for your faith. You've been trusting God to grow you spiritually And it's amazing as you're attempting to follow the Holy Spirit in that growth, there have been challenges, there have been obstacles, there have been difficulties. If you're like me, you tend to think, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, then everything should be smooth. Everything should just kind of fall into place. Everything should be easy. Isn't, isn't that kind of the way you tend to think? Hey, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, God's on my side and everything would be that much easier. And yet, as we're going to see today, Nehemiah last week stepped out in radical faith. He put his life on the line. He put his career on the line. He stepped out, He risked everything to literally do what God's spirit inside of him had called him to do. And so he does that. And immediately we're going to see in the coming passages that he is met with opposition and challenges and these things really become a test of his faith. God is going to test his resolve to do what God had led him to do. He's going to test some of the the heart behind it. Was this faith real or was it more of just kind of an interest? something, you know, Nehemiah wanted to do, but when when the times got tough, would he quit? And we're going to see that today as we see some challenges in this particular passage. One person said it this way, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And so we're going to see that God often will test the faith of his children so that he can entrust us with greater responsibility and opportunity in the days ahead. This morning, we're going to see how living out our faith, much like Nehemiah was able to live out his faith. We're going to see how it produces two things. We're going to see that it produces obedience towards God. and We're going to unpack what that even means. And then it even, we're going to see where it produces opposition or obstacles from others. So let's just dive right into it this morning. Notice what the Bible says at the end of verse number eight. It says for the house, it says here, and the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. As you see last week, he stepped out by faith. God honored that step of faith. Then it says in verse nine, then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. For those of you who weren't here last week. Nehemiah stepped out by faith and he asked the king, he said, would you give me letters that would give me freedom to travel through these countries? Would you give me uh, letters that would allow me to get timber and resources so I can build up the walls with my people? And God granted that. That's what it's referring to in verse number nine. And so we see in this passage that here Nehemiah literally is not just going to pray as we saw earlier in chapter number one. He doesn't just plan. Plan, as we saw here in chapter number two, he's not just going to even perf- uh, prepare as we saw last week, but he literally is going to come to a place where his faith stirs him up to a place where he's able to actually perform and do what God leads him to do, which brings us to our first thought this morning. If you're taking notes here, I want you to see this living out our faith. Number one, produces obedience obedience to God's will. Where there is genuine, authentic faith in the power, in the promises, and the provision of God, when our hearts are deeply rooted in those realities, when we really believe that God is on the throne, that he is sovereign, he is powerful, and he is good, when we believe that from the deepest part of our soul, the reality is it produces action that faith gets manifested in very tangible and real ways. So there are people, they say, oh, I have faith in God. I believe that God is powerful. I believe that God will provide. I believe that God is good. But then there is no outward manifestations of that faith. And what we see throughout the word of God is where the faith is authentic and where faith in God is genuine, it always manifests itself In actions. It always manifests itself in congruent behavior that aligns with those beliefs. True faith in God always manifests in obedience to God. Now I want to say this. Our God is a God that's good. And when God's Spirit leads you into something, and where God's Spirit puts an intense burden on your heart, a deep desire to, to, uh, we might even say, a call into something. When God does that, he does it for his glory, but he also does it for your ultimate good. God would never lead you into something. He would never uh, direct your life towards something that would ultimately destroy you. Now, From our perspective and our vantage point, sometimes we can look at things and be like, why is God doing this? And we can scratch our head thinking, I don't understand what's going on. But our God is a good God that wants what's best for us. And obedience toward the Spirit's leading is really just an opportunity for us to experience more richly The joy, the peace, and the grace of God. This is why his spirit invites us into these opportunities. This is why God's spirit leads us into things. Not because he wants something from us. When the spirit leads us, it's because he wants something for us but from our human vantage point, our finite thinking, we tend to get this idea that if God's calling me to something, if he wants me to do this or do that, it's because he wants something from me. No, 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 my friend. God, in fact, wants something for you. And that's why he draws you into it. That's why he calls you to it. And so authentic, genuine faith is always going to produce manifestations of behavior that align with those beliefs. So we see, um, as we see as we move through this, that God's will is calling us to something special. My friend, faith is more than just this passive, pseudo-religious state of mind. Sometimes people think, well, I have faith." And, and, and to them, faith is just this kind of head thing. Faith is just something that happens in the heart. But I want to remind you today that faith is not just passive. Faith is not just a pseudo-religious state of being. True, authentic, saving faith causes us to put in action it causes us to change what we are doing and how we are behaving in a way that aligns with those beliefs and aligns with what we say we believe. But let me, just, let me just remind us of this. Second Timothy in the New Testament says this. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That is to say, if you respond to God's call, If you allow your faith to stir you into action and you begin to actually live out what you say you believe, because the goodness of God is drawing you and the provision of God's drawing you. When you begin to come to this point, mark it down that there will be obstacles. There will be challenges. That's what God says. While it's difficult to follow God's will at times. And how many of you would admit the fact sometimes when God's calling you into something, when his spirit is drawing you into greater surrender and greater uh, uh, just commitment to him, how many of you kind of can struggle with that a little bit? I know I can. But I want to remind you, while it's difficult to follow God's will at times, it's a tragedy not to. Why? Because when God's calling you into deeper obedience and deeper surrender, he's doing it for you and when we rebel or when we push against what God's Spirit is drawing us into, we're not hurting God, we are, in fact, hurting ourselves, and that's why it's a tragedy to not respond in action and behavior and obedience to what God's leading us to do. So the first thing we see this morning is living out your faith produces obedience to God. That's what we see in verse nine. Nehemiah says, then I came, I I did what I said I was going to do. I, I performed in a way that was consistent with what I believed God to be. And so we see it produced not just planning and not just prayer and not just preparation. It actually produced A difference in behavior. It caused him to perform. It caused him to do and live something different, all right? So we see living out our faith produces obedience to God. But let's keep reading. Notice verse number 10. Now, when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant of the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. All right? So... Two men are mentioned in this particular verse here. You say, who are these guys? Now, Sanballat was a Samaritan leader. He would have been from another country around the nation of Israel. And he was was an official of the, if I can pronounce it, Achaemenid Empire, all right? Tobiah was an Ammonite. He was official, possibly a governor of Ammon. And so these two government leaders, all right, who would have been from neighboring countries, When they heard about what Nehemiah was planning to do, it really grieved them. They got upset. Because these leaders from these surrounding countries, they were able to oppress the nation of Israel. And so now Nehemiah comes along with these big plans. Nehemiah says, I'm coming in. I'm going to build these walls. Nehemiah comes along and says, hey, we're going to take back our country. We're going to we're going to do what God's leading us to do. And so these surrounding leaders who were oppressing these people and they were really um, exploiting them for their own purposes, they get really upset about this thing. Now, I I say that to remind us of our next thought is we're going to see in the upcoming chapters, especially in chapters number four, we're going to see how these guys really go to town. And, And you're going to see all throughout this passage what these guys are, are really just going to become a, a thorn in Nehemiah's side, all right? They're just going to, it's, it's going to be tough, it's going to be difficult, which leads us here to our next thought this morning, and that is this. Not only does living out your faith produce obedience to God, but as we're going to see in this passage, um, living out our faith often produces opposition to God's will. Not only does it produce, you know, what we saw here as obedience to God's will, but we see opposition to God's will, all right? So these guys, as we begin to read chapters number two, chapters number three, chapters number four, they're going to do everything in their power to distract They're going to do everything in their power to discourage the nation of Israel, distract the nation of Israel, and ultimately to destroy the work that God wants to do through these people. And this is is one of the ways that Nehemiah and the nation of Israel's faith is going to get tested. It's going to get challenged. It's going to test their resolve to do what God's spirit is leading them to do. It was a man by the name of Albert Hubbard who wisely said it this way. To avoid criticism. How many of you would like to avoid criticism? I know I'm in this boat, you know. How many of you would never like to experience criticism, whether it be from a family member or from a spouse or from somebody you work with? Wouldn't that be nice to get to a place where everybody was just happy with you all the time? And everything you did, you know, was just, you know, awesome. So here's what Albert Hubbard had to say. He said, if you want to avoid criticism, he, this is awesome, all right, this is good advice. If you want to pull out your pen right now, this will help you, okay? This is what he said. If you want to avoid criticism, Gives us three things. Say nothing. Do nothing. Be nothing. (laughs) That's, that's 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 his formula. You say, why do you remind us of that? Because anytime, anytime we put action to our faith, anytime we follow the Spirit's leading to do, What we believe deep down the spirit of God is leading us to do. Mark it down. There will be opposition. Not there might be. Not there could be. Not there may be. Mark it down. It will will come so if you try to man you try to step out by faith in your marriage if you try to step out in faith in your spiritual walk if you try to step out in faith you know in in some other arena maybe it's in your career mark it down there will be challenges it's going to happen living out our faith will produce opposition first peter chapter number four verse 12 says this think it not strange think what not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you when trials come to, that test your faith uh, hear what the hear what peter is saying he's saying don't think it strange this is not weird this is normal when these things happen think it not strange as though some strange thing is happening to you and that's what peter is saying when when your faith gets tested And when you step out and you're challenged in an area, he says, This isn't weird. This isn't strange. He says, This is normal. Which leads us here is I want to notice three observations about opposition and problems from the scripture. I'll give you just three real practical things here. Number one, the first thing we see based on this verse is that problems are normal for the believer. I know that there are theological philosophies that will try to convince you that if you're a good Christian, nothing bad can happen to you. In fact, if if you stay up real late, you know, and you're flipping through the channels on TV, I almost guarantee you you will find some preacher somewhere on cable that will tell you if you just be a good Christian, man, you'll be healthy. You'll be wealthy. You'll be prosperous. You just got to be a good Christian. And send me $100. (laughs) Here's the point. Can I say this? Based on the authority of the word of God, that's just not the reality. It is normal for the believer to experience problems. That's why Peter said it's not strange. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, verse 12. It tells us in 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 12. It tells us in John 16, verse 33. It says, these things have I spoken unto you. So this is, this is Jesus saying, he says this, that in me ye might have peace. Now notice this, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Jesus literally promised that you would have problems. How many of you have heard that one before? But he says, hey, be a good cheer. It's okay. Why? I've overcome the world. I'm in you. You're in me. We're going to get through this. But I want you to notice the middle of that Verse. In the world, you will have tribulations. You will have challenges. You will have trials. You will have problems. Your faith will be tested. It is a normal thing for a believer. Don't think it's strange. Not only do we see problems are normal for the believer, but I want you to see secondly, all right? You say, let, me, let me just say this before we move on any further. If Jesus Christ, God in the flesh... Who lived a perfect and sinless life, who did everything right. If Jesus Christ Himself had critics, if Jesus Christ was tested, if Jesus Christ was challenged and went through difficult seasons in His life, can I say this? We're no better than our Master. And if He experienced trials, so will we. It's normal. Secondly, I want you to see that problems are necessary for the believer. Isaiah 38 verse 17 talks about this. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 talks about this. Psalms 119 verse 71 talks about this. Uh, James chapter number 1 verse 3 talks about this where it says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We might say it, um, this word in the original Greek has the idea of perseverance. Knowing this, that the trying, the testing of our faith, it produces perseverance. You say, I, I want to learn to be more uh, perseverant. How do I grow to be, you know, more resilient as an individual? You want to know how you grow to be more resilient and more perseverant? It's by allowing your faith to be Tested. That's how your spiritual muscles of resolve and resiliency grow. Why? But let patience, let perseverance have her perfect work. Let, that, let those trials, let that testing do what God designed for it to do in your soul. Why? That ye may be perfect and entire. That means whole, wanting or needing nothing. Do you know God's plan for making you who you're supposed to be? You want to know one of the tools that he uses to create in you what you're supposed to become? It is opposition, trials, and difficulties. Now, you might sit back and you might say, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I want to say to you today that it is necessary for us to go through hard times so that we can become who God has designed us to become. It's normal for the believer to go through problems. It's not strange, it's not weird. God promised them, Jesus promised them. You say, why is it so important? Here's why. Because Jesus wants our heart to be dependent upon him. And one of the things that trials do, and one of the things that the testing of our faith does, is it kind of snaps us out. It jolts us out of this thinking that we don't need God. Because all of a sudden, as we're going through difficulties, and as we're going through trials, we're reminded afresh and anew that we can't find peace in circumstances. We can't find peace in the situations of life going exactly how we want them to go. And we are reminded afresh and anew that the only place that we can find perfect peace that passeth understanding, the only place that we can find joy unspeakable and full of glory is not by circumstances going our way, not by situations going the way we want them to go. We are reminded afresh and anew that the only place we can find that peace and the only place we can find that joy is in the presence of Christ by abiding with him, experiencing him, even in the midst of these hard times. And this is why problems and testing and difficulties, this is why it's not just, you know, okay, this is why they are literally necessary. You cannot become who God designed you to be, who he destined you to be, without hardships. It is literally necessary for you. They're normal. They're necessary. The enemy intends every type of suffering to destroy you. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants this to destroy you. He wants this thing that's happening in your relationship to destroy you. That thing that's happening in your finances that you're just overwhelmed by, he wants it to destroy you. That thing that you're experiencing at work and you don't know how you're going to get through it, the enemy wants it to destroy you. But I want to say this. While the enemy intends every type of suffering to destroy you, God intends every type of suffering to develop you. That's his purpose. That's his plan for the trials and the difficulty and the testing. He wants to use it to perfect you, to make you whole. And that is why problems are not just good, but they're literally necessary for the believer. But let's keep going. Not only are they normal, not only are they necessary, but I want to say this. Problems are not permanent for the believer. There's a phrase found in the New Testament again and again. And it's simply this. It came to pass. There's that thing that has come into your life, but I want to remind you today that it came to pass. There's things that are coming into your life, and they're, sh- they're just rocking your world, but I, I'm going to say this too shall pass. It came To pass. Psalms 30, verse 5 talks about how problems are not permanent. Psalms 147, verse 3 talks about how problems are not permanent. Revelation chapter number 21, verse 4, talks about how uh, problems are not permanent. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 talks about some of this as well. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You say, wait a second, this thing I'm going through, it feels so overwhelming. It feels so oppressive. It feels so weighty. And we're reminded in the scripture that it's just but a moment. It's going to pass. It's not permanent. What you're feeling right now, it's not permanent. I know in this moment it feels like it's never going to go away. I know it feels like you're never going to get through it. I know it feels like it's just going to stay with you forever and ever and ever. But I want to say, based on the authority of the word of God, that the problems, the obstacles, and the testing in your life, much like what we're going to see in the book of Nehemiah, these things are not permanent. You say, but... For me, it's been years. For some of you, you've been experiencing this testing and trials for decades. But let me say, even to those of you where your entire life story has been difficult, God's given you the promise of eternity. And in light of the eternal weight of glory, everything that happens in this life is but momentary. Someone once said it this way, not every life story has a happy ending. But just remember, this life is not actually the end of the story. God has given you the promise eternity and there is hope that your problems and your trials and your difficulties they're normal the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust there's a nor it's there it's normal it's not strange it's necessary we need it but I want to say it's not permanent and even if it lasts for the rest of your life in the whole scheme of eternity, it'll feel but a blip on the radar. Jim, I want to say to you this evening, I can't, even, I can't even begin to imagine how your heart feels right now. I, 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 could, I, I mean, just the thought of losing my wife. I mean, I just can't, I can't even begin to understand what that must feel like. Stephanie, to, to lose your mind, I just I, I don't know what that feels like. Especially as Tina was so young. It was unexpected. We talked about this on Thursday. We, we thought we had a lot more time. All of us did. It was so sudden. Jim, I want to say to you today, we're going to see Tina again. And 10,000 years from now, when we're enjoying her presence, in the presence of God, while this moment will still hurt. The reality is it'll be a blip on the radar of what God has for our eternal destinies. And if you're in here today and you're hurting, and I I know there are many that are hurting today, your marriage is not what you thought it was going to be. Your career didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. You thought you'd have that person in your life much longer and It didn't turn out that way. I want to say to you that the pain that you're experiencing is not permanent. It will come to pass. I can't wait to see the day where Lori Safford and I take a walk together on those streets of gold. I know she struggles physically. I don't even know how she got here today in the rain and everything that happened. She's back here in the wheelchair. The reality is as much pain as she's experiencing and uncomfortable, the reality is that too one day shall pass. It isn't permanent. As we conclude today, I want to say our church right now is stepping out in radical faith we're stepping out believing that God wants to do something big over the next 16 months and i don't even know on paper how it's all going to come together but i do know this as we step out by faith there's going to be challenges i don't know the form that those challenges are going to take i don't know the form that the opposition is going to take but i'm not not so naive as to think it ain't going to happen there're going to be challenges there's going to be opposition. There are going to be difficulties that go along with this. But we can trust God in the process. So here's the takeaway. While opposition and challenges, they're inevitable, quitting is optional. The, pro- the reality is, you don't get a choice on whether or not your life's going to be difficult. Every single one of you in this room are going to go through difficult seasons in your career, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your spiritual walk. Opposition, challenges, problems, and trials, they're inevitable. They're, ju- they're normal. They're necessary. But quitting and refusing to experience the grace of God in those moments, that, my friend, is an option that you have. Whether or not you're going to experience God's grace to move you through it or whether you're going to refuse the grace of God. That's our choice. So anytime you set out to do something for God, there will be opposition. But I want to say this. Just like Nehemiah had the king on his side. How many of you remember last week he got the king's favor and the king gave him the letters and gave him the permission and deputized him to go out and do this great thing for God? Just like Nehemiah had the king on his side, I want to say we literally have the king of kings on our side. And that's the hope that we have. That Jesus is enough. That when circumstances are going bad and tribulations testing our faith, that Jesus is enough to give us the peace that we need to keep on moving. That even though the hardship and the testing of our faith just seems to wreck our soul, that Jesus is enough to experience joy in the midst of those difficult circumstances. Why? Because we have the King of King moving through with us in this difficult journey that we sometimes call life. One of the ways that God builds us, this God who builds Often he uses the testing of our faith to build us up and to build a work around us. Are you allowing him to do that work? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.